on the block on demand this is on the block with brent axe on the block that's right it's presented by src incorporated src is doing great work to protect us and our war fighters But they need your help, too. SRC is growing and looking for software or systems engineers. That sounds like you. Apply at SRCINC.com. The Beef Jerky Experience. And they know their audience. Put all the radio guys by the food court and the Beef Jerky Experience. That's just fantastic. Seth and I were just talking about this during the break. Sometimes I kind of get jealous that my colleagues get sent to the Super Bowl and they're at Radio Row and, you know, but then I'm like, if I got to have the the big name guests are great. Don't get me wrong, but they're all hawking something. They're all selling some kind of product and they're taking a chance whether they're good interviews or not. And like, it makes sense for national shows to be there. And of course, Boston and Philly to be there and soak it in. But if you're just like a random radio station from, you know, like Little Rock, Arkansas, like, what are you doing there? Especially here. Like, we've got Syracuse basketball to get into. And the Super Bowl, like, don't get me wrong, we'll discuss it as we just did with Adam. And the closer we get to it, we'll do all the prop bets and we'll preview the game. I mean, you got to talk about Super Bowl. But at the end of the day, I've been asked this before, too. Like, have you ever been to Radio Row? And I'm like, no. And if I never make it there, it won't be one of my big regrets especially when you got dudes fighting each other like they did today. And it's like, I'm good. I'm, I, I, yeah, I've been to the food court at the Mall of America. I've, I've been there and done that. I, I don't need to be there all week. Hit me with that fancy open. Let's do some hot takes. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot and hot. Yes, <laughs> Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. (laughs) It's time for Hot Takes on the Block. Two big NFL items came out last night in the midst of Super Bowl week. One of those was a trade. How dare the Washington Redskins take away Trump's attention on uh, State of the Union night. But that they did. Alex Smith heads to the Redskins. Now, they can't make this trade official until March 14th, but everything's in place and wink, wink, nudge, nudge. All they got to do is dot the I's, cross the T's and make it happen. It is not a surprise to hear that Kirk Cousins is on his way out of Washington. It is somewhat of a surprise that Alex Smith is the name heading to the Redskins. He was maybe tagged for the Bills, for the Jets, teams that needed quarterbacks. And not that the Redskins don't need a quarterback because their quarterback is certainly going to be elsewhere. But to see Alex Smith go there, who's coming off one of his best seasons, over 4,000 yards, 26 touchdowns. Now, there was a dip there. For a good seven, eight weeks, Alex Smith was the leader in the clubhouse to be the MVP of the National Football League. The Chiefs kind of dipped middle of the season, recovered, and Alex Smith had a great year. Alex Smith and Kirk Cousins, I saw somebody mention this today, and I, I, I asked that question rhetorically here. Is Alex Smith an upgrade over Kirk Cousins? They're both really good quarterbacks that I think a lot of teams would want. They both put up numbers. They're both, Alex Smith in particular, more than Kirk, where Alex Smith is an upgrade over Kirk Cousins. Is Kirk Cousins just, ask a Redskins fan, and I think you are like, yeah, we, we like Kirk Cousins. And the big thing with Cousins is how much money he's made through the years and how he has been somebody who has taken advantage of the franchise tag. Anybody in the history of the league. I read a sentence today that I wasn't, 
too surprised to see, but it's still quite a sentence to read out loud. And that sentence is, Kirk Cousins is about to become the highest paid player in the National Football League. Not just now, ever. Okay, but my man gained the system. God bless America. And look, as a Bills fan, would I take take Kirk Cousins? Sure. Is he better than Tyrod Taylor? Yes. But does that inspire me? It's like, that's my guy for the next five, ten years. No, he doesn't. Because Kirk Cousins tends to have these games where his production dips, he throws an interception at the wrong time, and just when you're ready to give up on him, he has a great game, and just when you're ready to say, yes, that's my guy, he takes a step back. That's just, he's a guy. He's a good quarterback. Middle of the pack in the NFL. Alex Smith doesn't make the big mistake. Game manager is not the right word anymore. Good arm, smart quarterback, good dude in the community, doesn't throw a lot of picks, good leader, playing well for his age. It's not exactly a guy you want, and they just signed him to a four-year extension per the terms of the deal that we've made official, you know, when that can be made official, but what we know about this deal. But is it an upgrade? I mean, if you're the Redskins, you're in a great spot. You know Kirk Cousins is out. You bring in Alex Smith. He's going to get $70 million guaranteed. That's a lot of money, but you're going to have to pay Kirk Cousins a lot of money. You start over and you get a quarterback who walks into a situation with a good offensive line, and you know the Redskins actually look like they did the smart thing for once. Cousins is going to have people lining up outside his door, ready to sign him, so he's in a good spot. The Chiefs are making a big leap forward with Patrick Mahomes, and he's a guy who's got a cannon for an arm and looks like he could be the future there. They'll probably go out and get another quarterback to kind of back him up and, you know, see if they can find their version of, of Case Keenum. But it's fascinating to me how that deal came in place now and that, that gets the ball rolling. Because the focus is, if you're a team that needs a quarterback, you've got to make a decision. And I would put the Buffalo Bills and the New York Jets in this conversation. Is it better for you to look in the free agent and or trade market Or is it better for you to draft somebody in what is seen as one of the most quarterback-rich drafts in, you know, certainly the last decade? And that's your guy. Develop. Don't have to pay a lot of money up front. Let them earn their second contract. That's your player. Or you're a team, you know, look at the Bills. Just made the playoffs. They're a quarterback away. They don't maybe want to take a step back and have to develop somebody. Certainly Nathan Peterman hasn't really put a grapple hold on that quarterback of the future title, maybe they could use a Kirk Cousins for the next four or five years. The Jets, they're probably better off investing in their own quarterback, but, man, they've tried that. Christian Hackenberg, eh. Bryce Petty, eh. I would anticipate that Barkley and Josh Rosen and the guys available in this draft are better than those names, but they kept Todd Bowles around, and Todd Bowles is probably not, you know, in a position where he's throwing his feet up on the desk and has a lot of patience right now. He's got to win some games to keep his job. That general manager has got to keep pace. So it's fascinating to me that this deal went down the way that it did, and it seems to be working out for everybody, and everybody's going to come out of this fine. The other big NFL news, (laughs) just when you thought that Thursday night football could be slowly but surely, Fading out of our lives. The players hate it. The ratings are okay, but the fans don't really dig it. It's bad football. Everything we've heard about Thursday Night Football is how bad it is. So what Fox did is they went and outbid NBC and CBS 
for the rights for Thursday night football for the next five years, which, by the way, is a smart move on their part for their programming. It's a $660 million deal per year, just over $3 billion over the course of the deal. That adds up to $60 million per game compared to the $45 million that CBS and NBC, remember, split between those two, were paying. What do we hear about football this year, right? Ratings are down, and they won't stand for the anthem, and the NFL, oh, they're, they're going down. Yeah, the NFL just got $660 million per year for what's considered its crappiest product, which just goes to show you the NFL is still king, and the NFL is doing okay, and maybe it won't be the most watched Super Bowl ever, but with the Patriots in there, the love-hate thing is there. If it's a great game like it turned out to be, and it's always a great game with the Patriots. The rating's going to be huge, and you know all the people that are trying to say the NFL is collapsing. I mean, there are things that are off in the NFL, but let's not pretend the NFL has become boxing all of a sudden. It's still the mighty National Football League. Now, a couple interesting things about this Fox deal. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, it's already been said, they're not going to call the games. Like NBC was using Al Michaels a little bit, then Tarico slid in there. Uh, CBS was using Nance and Romo on Thursday Night Football, their top team. Fox's top team is Buck and Aikman. They're not going to do the games. So do you go to the number two team? Kevin Burkhart, Charles Davis, Pam Oliver. Tom Brenneman, Chris Spielman, Peter Schrager was another top team. That's part of the deal these days. Who's doing the game matters now because of Tony Romo. Alex Rodriguez, baseball, why did ESPN invest in him to split with Fox? Because... Well, it's not the top ratings draw. It can make a difference in who is watching and what your audience is like. By the way, Kevin Burkhart, Charles Davis, and Pam Oliver, that's a solid team. We've had Charles Davis on the show a bunch. We should have him on at some point soon. He does the draft and it's Super Bowl week. I'm kind of thinking out loud on the show right now, but it's been a while since we caught up with our buddy Charles Davis. He's great. Kevin Burkhart's great. That'd be a solid team. But is that a team that would make you watch as opposed to, oh, man, Tony Romo's doing the game. He always makes those crazy predictions. i got to see that. It's a great move for Fox because what else you got going? Does anybody know what's on Fox on a Thursday night in the fall? I could spend the rest of this show trying to figure out and not come up with it. CBS, they're better off without football. The Big Bang Theory and Young Sheldon are their top two shows. They don't want to push them aside. In the fall, they make more money off those shows than football. They're fine. I'm not really sure what's on NBC on Thursday nights these days, but that's a big night for them, too. They'd much rather have programming there that, you know, I know people DVR these days and don't really watch a lot. It's not must-see TV like it used to be when Seinfeld was on. But between losing money and having bad football games and having people tune out versus their own programming and a solid Thursday night lineup, they're going to go with that. What does Fox have on? They're all in. So it's a smart move on their part, but everybody kind of groaned when they saw that today. It's amazing how nobody likes Thursday night football, yet Fox just spent all this money on Thursday night football. That's hot. Which means somebody's watching it. It's like the Pro Bowl. As much as everybody mocks the Pro Bowl, it gets numbers. We talked to Sean McDonough yesterday who called the Pro Bowl. It was up 25% this year. Who are you people watching this stuff? Doug Peterson's choice 
to address the Philadelphia Eagles the night before the Super Bowl. Did you see who this is? None other than your boy, Brett Favre. He will address the team the Saturday before the Super Bowl. Doug Peterson, of course, former teammate of Brett Favre, quote, we still stay in touch, great friends, teammates for eight years in Green Bay. Since he was going to be in town, I just asked him to come by. So he is going to address the team the day before the game. I'm fascinated by these choices. And again, it's the difference between the Eagles and the Patriots. For the Patriots, uh, been there, done that. They don't need the win one for the Gipper inspirational speech the night before the game. I remember one time, it's funny how it comes full circle on this. The, the most is right down the road from where we are here in downtown Syracuse. And I remember hosting an event at the most. It was one of the early Patriot Super Bowls. It might have even been the first one in this dynasty run with Belichick and Brady. And the night before the Super Bowl, Belichick showed the Patriots. There was a documentary-ish movie that they showed at the IMAX. It was called Shackleton's Great Adventure, I believe. And it was a story of, my memory's a little foggy on this, but the basic premise of it was there was a shipwreck in, I want to say it was either the North Pole or Antarctica, somewhere, you know, obviously in in just frigid conditions. And the, the movie told the story of how they survived the shipwreck, like in the middle of this, you know, in the middle of Antarctica. And how he showed it to the team and it was an example of coming together and backing each other up. And, you know, it's I'm always fascinated by these choices because you can either just, you know, play it cool. We're prepared. We're ready. This is the biggest night of your life. This is the biggest game of your life. You don't need to add that extra motivation. But I've said this a lot on this show. Athletes are funny that way. Athletes, as big as a game is. Why do sports movies have these inspirational speeches? Why do we hear these stories? Athletes need to be motivated. Jim Beheim is not a believer in this, and for the most part, I agree with Beheim that you kind of have to self-motivate yourself as a athlete, college athlete, pro athlete, whatever the case may be, because you're on a big stage. But everybody's human. Everybody needs a pep talk once in a while. Like, you show up, you do your job, you do it well, but... It's pretty cool when your boss comes around and says, hey, man, that was great. Great work on that. Keep up the good work. Doing good stuff. I just had a performance evaluation. And thankfully, that went well. (laughs) So it makes you feel good. It validates what you're doing, right? So even athletes on the biggest stage of their life, showing you a movie, bringing it like here's here's, I, I was talking about this before the show with our new intern, Monica said, if I'm Doug Peterson, you know what I do? I bring in Sylvester Stallone, right? Philly, Rocky, bring him in, can't hurt, right? They're playing that underdog thing. The city's embracing it. Don't you just surprisingly, and it would take a lot to pull this off, but Stallone would do it. It's the Super Bowl. Don't you bring in Sly? Can you imagine that? Like, and we've got a very special guest speaker and like somebody in the room could you know, have their iPhone filming it. Think how bananas that team would go if Sly came in, gave him a little pep talk before that game. Tell me that wouldn't be huge. You're welcome for that idea, Brett Favre. Come on. We got it down here. It's Rocky time, baby. Hey, yo, Mick. Let's take a break on that note. Much more Syracuse basketball in the way. Plus, did you see what Mike Hopkins did at Washington? This is pretty cool. We'll tell you about it coming up.
This is On the Block with Brent Axe. You think so? Is that a question or is that an observation? Why did he get subbed down in the first half for those four or five minutes? He needed a rest. You can ask me any question you want. I just don't want to hear your observation. You can go on talk radio and do that, all right? For the rest of the schmucks. Come on, schmucks! Come one, come all. We are very welcoming of all schmucks on this radio program. Uh, tomorrow is Thursday. You know who comes on the show on Thursday is Jim Beheim. He's the guy that just said that. So he'll be here with the rest of the schmucks. With the rest of the schmucks. Tomorrow uh, for our weekly chat with the head coach. Getting them uh, after tonight's game. After they get back late from Atlanta. And we'll see... If they win or lose and how many bodies they have left, should be a fun conversation tomorrow. Don't miss it. Here on the block, our weekly chat with the head coach. That's a good band name, right? Brent and the Schmucks. Welcome to the Schmuck Show. I mean, we can we can have so much fun with that. You got to love it. For the rest of the Schmucks. That's right, man. Uh, Want to talk more about this game? Certainly, you're welcome to uh, join us and make a schmuck out of yourself on the radio show. Did you see what Mike Hopkins did at Washington? I had to mention this. I wrote about it a bit on Syracuse.com today. So Washington, if uh, most of you are familiar with big rivalries in sports, right? And this is not quite the same basketball as football, but it's still a pretty big rivalry. Washington, Washington State, it's the Apple Cup. So, you know, Mike Hopkins is trying to build a program there and establish Washington as a team that can compete in the Pac-12 They've had a lot of talent come through there in recent years, but, you know, obviously he's the new coach there for a reason. They switched things up after Lorenzo Romar, pardon me, was fired, and he comes in, and look, we know Hopkins. The energy and the passion and kind of reviving the fan base, and slowly but surely their crowds have been building up, and they had a huge crowd for the Apple Cup, about 10,000 people. You know, they started out his first game, there was just under 6,000 people there, Gonzaga is a local rivalry in a big game there. They had just under 10,000 for that, just under 9,000 for Stanford, but they lost both those games. So Washington plays Washington State in the Apple Cup. This was on Sunday, actually, and they win the game by nearly 20 points. The crowd is crazy, so not only does Hopkins praise the crowd, Mike Hopkins takes out a full-page ad in the Seattle Times and it's done. It's a cool ad, by the way. I, I wrote about this on Syracuse.com, so you can see the, the story and, and the picture and the ad is included in the story. And it's kind of done like Mike wrote a note to the fans. And I'll just read it to you briefly here. It says, and there's a lot of exclamation points in this, as you would imagine, because it's Hopkins. Seattle wanted to take a moment to say thank you for the outpouring of support and kindness you have shown in welcoming me and my family to this community. It's been truly humbling, and wow, did Seattle ever turn out for the Apple Cup on Sunday. I'd heard about how incredible this environment could be, and Sunday's game lived up to all the hype. I truly believe there is no tougher place for opponents to play than a sold-out Alaska Airlines arena. That type of atmosphere is what makes college basketball so special. goes on to say, our team's mantra is tougher together. We want our team to be the toughest team on the court every night, and our fans to be part of that team also together means you too. The dog pack, the alumni, season ticket holders, or if you just want to be part of something bigger than yourself, 
We're all tougher together. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. Grow with us, Coach Hop. Now, there's a little salesmanship there. They've got a couple top 25 games coming up that they want to pack that building for. He's trying to sell the program. You're in Seattle, and that, look, Seattle, people say, wow, why would Mike Hopkins take that job other than getting his own program to build a little bit of roots there? And, you know, you can't get further away from Syracuse in a different situation. He's a West Coast guy. And a lot of that made sense. But some people say, man, is Washington a really a better job than Syracuse? Seattle is a big hoops town. A lot of high school talent there. Washington, when they're good, is supported. Of course, you know, they're still pissed that the Sonics left there, but there's still a lot of hoop fans left there. If you're good and you give people a reason to go, they'll embrace you. Hop is, I mean, it's, it, the thing is, he's not just selling. It's genuine. Like, we know Mike Hopkins. We know that passion. We know how he does everything with such a positive vibe and the enthusiasm that's there and those expressions grow with us, tougher together, be part of this, trying to bring the fans back in. I mean, this is just a win in the middle of the regular season over Washington State. And again, in that area, that's a big rivalry. So you kind of know what emotional strings to lean on here. But to just take out a full-page ad, I don't even know who paid for it, by the way. Maybe the athletic department paid for it, but it's the gesture, right? It's the salesmanship. It's the passion. Come along for this ride. How huge was that win? You know, Washington right now, they're a bubble team. They are currently, let me pull it up here while we're yakking about it, 15-6. and six. They're 5-3 and three in the Pac-12. They get a big game tomorrow night against Arizona State, top 25 team, Bobby Hurley at Arizona State, building that program up. Arizona State is still a ranked team, but they have a losing record in the Pac-12. They're 16-5. and five. Washington, 15-6, and 5-3. and three. It's a huge swing game. And look, you can't help but think about this. The woulda, coulda, shoulda. Let's not forget how quickly we forget this was supposed to be it. This was supposed to be the swan song. This was supposed to be the the send-off year for Jim Beheim. And as annoying as that would have been in some ways, this is the last time Jim Beheim will do this. This will be the last time Jim Beheim will do that. The very thought that we are going to come to a point someday where Jim Beheim does not coach this team anymore. As weird as that is, that was supposed to be now. This was supposed to be it. And that was not done by him. It was done by another hand. And I think all along, and I said this consistently, somehow, some way, this won't be the last year. And lo and behold, Hopkins goes. Beheim gets a new extension. Buddy Beheim comes in. Boom. You got at least four more years. And there was a comment, and we've discussed this before. Jim Beheim said it to, I believe, Adam Zagoria, our, our buddy from zagsblog.com. And the comment was, and I'm paraphrasing, but it was basically, I'm not going to leave my son there. Like, he, if he can, God willing, health-wise, he's going to coach his son here. Which I find kind of funny in a way. <laughs> I'm not going to leave him there. It's like, you live 10 minutes away. You're, it's not like you sent him to Mike Hopkins in Washington. It's like... You, you still live here, right? I just found that comment funny in a way, but certainly we understand what he means by that. He wants to coach his son, which is great. That's great. That's a great storyline. I can't wait to see it. It's going to be fascinating to see. By the way, as kind of a subplot to what we're saying here, no matter what happens with this team, like if they can't overcome their depth issues, if they can't get the big wins, 
in February that they need to stay in the tournament conversation, what is the light at the end of the tunnel? The light at the end of the tunnel is next year's team is loaded because Jalen Carey, Darius Basley comes in. Buddy Beheim may have to redshirt, but he will at least be an option, and that kid can shoot. Don't forget Elijah Hughes is on the bench as a transfer. They could really use him now, but you know transfer rules are what they are. God willing, Howard Washington is healthy, and this injury is not too serious. He's back on this roster. Dolzhai's back. Pascal's back. Barama is back. Moyer is back. I probably forgot a name or two in there. If Tyus Battle comes back, which as I told you on yesterday's show, given what NBA scouts are saying about him right now, the likelihood of him being back is probably more than you thought it would. Frank Howard, of course. O'Shea. This team is loaded next year. It is the opposite problem of what they have now. It's the good problem for coaches to have. How do you balance all these pieces? And things always settle themselves out, and we know that no matter what, Jim Beheim only plays eight guys as it is. But we'd rather have that problem than this problem. They're struggling to find eight players to get on the court because injuries and other situations, players leaving the team, Geno Thorpe and Torian Thompson notably, have put them in a bit of a spot. So I thought that was cool, what Hopkins did. And it's just, once in a while, you know, it comes up and people are like, hey, what's Hop up to? Because you don't, unless you are our boy Scooter, who stays up till 3 o'clock in the morning watching these games, how much has Washington basketball crossed your radar screen this year? It's not a team, and they beat Kansas, and there's been a couple of things that you've like, whoa, you've certainly noticed, but... You know, they're playing a lot of West Coast games, and it's like, yeah, you know, Hop's there. Maybe you check in on him a little bit. But I saw that today. I was like, wow. First of all, that's something Mike would do. And second of all, that's really cool. Way to help out the newspaper industry too, Mike. Let's go to the phones, and then uh, we'll take a break here. But we will certainly continue to talk with you. Marty, our official on-the-block Tampa correspondent, back with us here on ESPN Radio. Marty, what's happening, man? Uh, Not too much. Hey, I'm about to join the Legion of Smucks here, but <laughs> um, one thing Beheim did in one of those games, I don't know if it was BC or one of the pick games, they had fouls to give at the end of the half, and Frank Howard is out there giving fouls. Why doesn't he put in one of the walk-ons to foul somebody twice in a row to make them take the ball out of bounds, make them hard, harder to score a basket. That I I've seen him do that. I know it was one time, but you know I like Beheim. You know I think he's a great coach. But that having Frank Howard give give the foul is stupid to me when you have nobody on the bench. I think it's a matter of you know substituting can be tricky sometimes. You got to time it out as best as you can. And look, Beheim, right, wrong, or indifferent. And thanks for the call as always, Marty. Joining the Legion of Schmucks. For the rest of the Schmucks. He's not going to take certain players off the floor. You know, it's like the knight from Monty Python, right? Both your arms could be off. Both your legs could be off. I'll bite your bloody leg off, right? It's just right, wrong, or indifferent. That's just how he is. If you're in a situation where you can sub quickly and do that, you can. But I would file that in the nitpick category. If you have fouls to give, I don't have a huge problem. 437-7644. Four three seven seventy six forty four. Let's head to uh, the mighty Pompey. That's where Kevin is today on the block. Kevin, what's happening, man? Hey, Brian. Um, listened to the show last night and uh, heard you talking about um, the, rec- the 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 
the recruiter from uh, NBA oh, talking the, the, about Tyus. The scout who knows um, in Tyus Battle, right. That's right. Um, I see a couple different things there, and I'm, I'm wondering if, if anybody would agree with me. Um, I'm sure Tyus probably knows what the scouts are saying um, and is aware of maybe he's dropped a little bit. And maybe doesn't that put a little bit of pressure on him if he really wants to go this year and that's what he was really wanting to do, um, to maybe step it up. And we know how sometimes really good players can step it up when the need is there. So I see a couple different things that could go that way for us. If he does step it up, that's probably a great great thing for our team this year. I just don't know what more you can ask him to do to, to step it up, though, Kevin, because, I mean, he's got the ball in his hands more than anybody. He's counted on to take the big shots. He's You're asking him to be your leading scorer. You're asking him to put the ball in his hands when it matters. Bayheim even said in the last press conference he needs to shoot more. Like I don't know what else you can ask him to do. You're, I could get to a break here, but so let's do this after the break. Is what I said yesterday, is the NBA stuff, is everything that's circling around that everybody pretends isn't there, but we know is there, how does that affect him? Let's do that when we come back. Good point by Kevin. We will address it next. Stay right there. Thank you. Bye-bye.